The number one focus, especially in the early days, the first week, is focus on their employees, focus on their safety and the health. You know, it's about, okay, how do I focus on them? How do I get them the information they need? And how do I enable them to be able to do their job? And this has been a bit of a rolling thunder kind of approach. Every day is different in terms of what is needed. And as more countries, you know, hit the different phases of where they are with the pandemic, as more states, you know, here in the U.S. declare different states of emergency and, you know, go from uh, shelter in place to stay at home to the various degrees of... Hi, and welcome to Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. Now, today I have the pleasure of being joined by Anne Chow. Now, Anne is the Chief Executive Officer at AT&T Business. Anne, welcome to the show. Thanks for making time to catch up with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Happy to be here. So we're no strangers. We've caught up a number of times over the last few years, uh, particularly on camera in a number of circumstances at the AT&T Business Summit, and it's been fantastic to see you in person there. And I really appreciate you making time to catch up today because I wanted to have a conversation around some of the amazing work you're doing there at AT&T Business. As the Chief Executive Officer of AT&T Business, you've got such a broad remit, but in particular right now with what the world's facing with this whole pandemic and and COVID-19, I thought it was a timely opportunity just to highlight some of the things you're doing within your own organization, even some of the challenges you're facing personally and and your own need to work from home, and then some of the things you're you're doing with regard to addressing some of the challenges that your customers are facing in the industry as a whole. But uh, how are you doing? How, how's work from home turning out for you? I mean, you personally obviously have to go through this journey yourself as well as lead the, the, the business and the team around you. How's this whole shift to working from home and so forth uh, going for you so far? Yeah, yeah. So, Des, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, we as a society, we as humanity have never found ourselves in this position. And, you know, from a, from a business perspective, I almost feel like you know, my multi-decade career, which has spanned three decades now, has almost prepared me personally for this moment as well as uh, as well as my team you know i've spent the last uh, last uh, three decades um, serving customers of all different sizes and shapes and in different industries and in various uh, roles and so now at this point of let's face it we're in a crisis you know this is really all about how do we ensure that businesses and organizations, humanity, consumers, people, you know, get through this and that we not just survive, but we get to a point where we can at one point thrive again. In terms of work from home, I will have to say that I'm not that great at it. Um, you know, I, uh, I am not one who is typical to work from home. And so this adjustment for me, even on a personal level, is, uh, is stretching my uh, flexibility and my agility in the sense that I'm uh, big on relationships, as I think you know. Um, and so the challenge and the opportunity of figuring out how to build and grow relationships in a mode of crisis uh, where things are ever dynamic and ever changing is a challenge that uh, you know that I faced especially in the early couple of days as we got used to how does one communicate how does one collaborate effectively I would say you know on a very personal level I think the dynamics even just of all of us being in our home or our virtual environments or if you're in the office or in a center without all of your resources that you're used to being there it's incumbent upon us to learn what this next normal is day to day. I mean, literally every day is different. And I think that is something that also drives stress and pressures into the day. But, you know, ours is a mission where we are uh, a people business. You know, we are all about our employees and our teams, and we're all about serving our customers. And so uh, this is, uh, you know, this is what we were made for, is we were made for the you know, business of communication and connection. COVID-19 is sort of one of those things where it's, it's one of the once in a lifetime for, for all of us, I think. Uh, there was an interesting comment uh, I heard from a, a World War II vet in Britain, and his comment was, uh, 
whose generation went to war for us. And all they're asking is that we sit on the couch for a few weeks, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but it really did bring home that whole challenge of, you know, what do we need to do as individuals to change our behaviour around society and cultural you know, mix to, to ensure that, yes, we are staying at home and we are social distancing and doing that sort of thing. But the flow-on challenge of business continuity around keeping the lights on from a technologies perspective, from a telecommunications perspective, from keeping staff morale, there's some really big challenges that organizations are facing now. And the interesting thing in this case, I guess, uh, unfortunately, is that AT&T and AT&T Business themselves are having to go through it for the very same reasons that every other organization is. I mean, you've got a number of different types of business continuity plans in place from just, you know, scenarios like you know, a fire in the building to these sorts of health crises. What are some of the key things you've been through of late yourselves just to go from you know, moving humans out of the buildings to putting tools and so forth in place just to get to the point where you can keep your own lights on? Yeah, so as it relates to our business, I mean, you know, let me start with, uh, with our employees. You know, you know, AT&T is in the business of networking, of communications, and, you know, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has deemed our roles as essential because when we think now about the role of connectivity, does you know, and the role of networking, you know, no longer is this technology, are these uh, solutions, these services nice to have. They are, you know, they are a must-have, and if I would even ask our listeners here to pause for a moment and think about what this situation would be like if we didn't have connections, if we didn't have continuity, if we did not have uh, communications. Uh, what would this crisis be like if we were not enabled by technology to work through it? And so for us, it's really been about our employees first to make sure that they are you know, in a, in a safe environment. We've had to pivot heavily, as many, 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 many of my customers have had to, very heavily virtual environment. And that requires that you know, we set up the right tools, we set up the right processes. We've uh, also had to make sure that we're focused on our employees' safety and our employees' health, right, first and foremost. We have done, uh, you know, various things around uh, the organization in terms of what we've provided to our employees around that. And so, of course, we've, you know, we've also put in place, uh, you know, you call it, and I think the world calls it social distancing. I actually don't like call it social distancing, uh, Des, because I feel that uh, what it really is is physical distancing. I, I actually feel that now more than ever we need social connection, um, and this current environment is making it um, more difficult. But we, AT&T, our role is to make that uh, social connection and that relationship connection, that business connection, um, even more uh, viable, even more critical, even more reliable, even more scalable. You know, and as I think about the network, you know, the network, uh, you know, most, uh, most of our listeners will know AT&T as a, as a networking company. And, you know, I, I can readily say, in fact, you know, the very first job that I had 30 years ago working for the company was as a network architect. So I can say here now, almost 30 years later, that uh, our network was built for this um, and it is operating uh, quite well. I do like the fact that you highlighted that the term social distancing probably doesn't do a very good job of describing what we really need to do, which is, as you said, physical distancing. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with the whole social connectivity thing. I mean, I was watching something last night online and, and there was a commentator who was saying that one of the biggest fallouts from this is going to be psychological issues because people aren't used to being landlocked in their homes. Uh, all the way through to, to health issues because people who normally get out and go for a walk or go for a jog and a run are now having to sort of work out in their backyard or in their apartment. So some of the the, the social and economic flow-ons from this are, are sort of you know, still to be realised. 
One of the biggest things that keeps coming up, though, is the general challenge of connectivity and capacity. And I'm really keen to get your insights on what you could share around, you know, when, when customers think about just keeping that connectivity going and the quality of connectivity, the security of it, particularly just around capacity and the types of capacity the organizations need. I guess, firstly, from AT&T's point of view, you know, what sort of measures are put in place to ensure that the, the network itself has uh, the appropriate capacity? And then what sort of things should organizations, and particularly your customers, be thinking about with regard to, you know, do I have the appropriate capacity on my network connectivity and the sorts of services I have? So our network, you know, as it's evolved over the years, our network is software-defined, which means that, you know, our, our network is very much software-enabled, which means that we see surges in the network traffic, we anticipate them, we model them. So our core network is under what we would call software-defined control, as is many other areas of the network. And what this really enables us to do is rapidly, you know, respond to surges, anticipate any security concerns, and we can flex to our customers' needs wherever we, you know, wherever we see them. You know, the network is, is really purpose-built for this. And, uh, you know, when I think about the network and the services and support that we provide, it is the connectivity, but it's also the, the people around that connectivity. We have, in my view, the world's best engineers and network architects who, you know, tirelessly, you know, stay ahead of uh, the technology curve here to make sure that our network is, you know, scalable, reliable, um, secure, right, that our customers are connected, protected at all times. You know, as a society, you know, when I think about where we are right now at this point in time with COVID-19, we have never had this many people working remotely. You know, uh, we have never had uh, this kind of broad scale around the globe need for additional bandwidth. Uh, we've never had, you know, this many hospitals preparing for growing needs or school systems, right, in mass uh, moving to remote learning. Des, if I could, I'll just give you a couple of stats here of some dimensionality to what we're seeing. So if I, if I look back at this Monday, this Monday for us, uh, March 23rd, our wireless uh, voice uh, minutes of use were up 39%, right, compared to an average uh, Monday. Uh, our Wi-Fi calling minutes of use were 78% higher than an average Monday. If I look at our consumer home business and our consumer voice calling, that was up 45%. And our core network, which includes our business usage, our home broadband, wireless usage, that was up 27% compared to the same day last month, you know, and in addition to that, we've got multiple, over half a dozen portable cell sites that are operating um, and have been deployed, you know, upwards of 20 times during the response thus far to bolster FirstNet, which I'll, I'll hopefully have a chance to share with you and the broader group. We continue to see, you know, surges in demand and in usage given the situation that's going on. As it relates to your question about customers and how customers can prepare for this, this is really where partners like AT&T come in. You know, we pride ourselves on being trusted advisors with every single one of our clients. You know, we focus on connectivity and communications and networking so our customers don't have to. And so our customers lean on us as it relates to understanding of their environment. You know, I can give you, you know, there are countless levels of stories about uh, customers who have reached out with a degree of urgency uh, during this period to ask for, you know, increased bandwidth on services that they have or that they have already with us or ask for a new service because they, you know, they've got to quadruple the number of people that are working remotely or they have to extend um, their network and their performance to other constituents in their ecosystem, whether it's a, a healthcare clinic, a hospital, trauma center, or a school system, if you will. We're seeing you know, just this requirement to be flexible and agile all over, and uh, we're prepared. You know, we're, we're prepared for it both uh, from a network perspective as well as from a, uh, a people perspective. Uh, from a team perspective.
You made an interesting point back there, just I want to reiterate that you are critical infrastructure. So this is in your DNA. It's what you do on a day-to-day basis. You literally run country-level communications across voice, data, internet, and other things, and that capacity to scale up and burst up. I guess one of the interesting things that came out of all this uh, when I look at it globally is that we've had scenarios where a lot of that voice and data that might be within enterprise environments with private PABXs and private networks inside the buildings, a thousand people building in an office tower, all that voice and data sort of tends to stay inside behind their firewalls and in their own switch fabric. Now that's moved out to the edge of the network. And in some cases, it's being expected to run over a, a broadband internet connection, or in some cases, they're tethering to mobile phones. It gets compounded, as you said, when kids are being then told stay at home. So they're now using the internet link to, to do remote schooling. You potentially have one or two parents at home having to remote work and they might be VPNing. I'm hearing stories of now where people are saying, to heck with it, I'm going to tether to my mobile phone and use that data. But, of course, that's then challenging different parts of the internet. Um, I I imagine that there's this this completely unique uh, use case now where people's internet links are being expected to cope with the capacity demand of one or more people using it for school or work. Uh, The voice and data networks you're running now are not just... Uh, uh, social calls, the short business calls, there being long-term sustained conference calls and, and remote network access for remote workers. Is it the case and that this almost is a, an example of sort of pushing the data and the, the infrastructure to the edge of the network? We hear edge networking and edge computing a lot, but this is probably one of the first big challenges the world's been faced with with regard to the whole challenge of pushing everything to the edge. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think uh, you know, that's one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, the uh, the increasing demands on the mobile, right, on the mobile network, on the cellular network. And, you know, l- uh, you know, let me use an example, which I think is perhaps the most profound, arguably the most critical example that we have of um, how critical connectivity is, regardless of how it's uh, provided, right, whether it's uh, provided over fiber, whether it's provided over the mobile network, and that is in the case of our first responders, right? And so if we think about the you know, the criticality of this situation and this crisis with this pandemic, the reason why this is so critical is because this is challenging life as we know it across multiple countries, multiple states, many communities. And so what is the response to life-threatening situations? It's it's all about first responders. And so AT&T is proud to be the provider and enabler of FirstNet services. And for those who may not be familiar with what FirstNet is, FirstNet was actually born out of the 9-11 Commission recommendation after those tragedies to ensure that the public safety community across our country had the communication infrastructure. And it was uh, put together with the input of public safety and the oversight of the federal government. We provide, through FirstNet, dedicated lane of connectivity for uh, FirstNet, for first responders. It is a network, it is a set of services and capabilities that we have built very specifically for first responders. You know, if we think about, uh, you know, work, um, the work that FEMA is doing, right? FEMA is, you know, on the telly, on the news all of the time now, as, as is appropriate. And so, you know, we have actually over 11,000 agencies and organizations and over uh, 1.2 million FirstNet connections, uh, including FEMA and the Coast Guard, uh, just to name a couple. And so, you know, when we think about providing this critical uh, capability, you know, we're building FirstNet in this very first ever public-private partnership with the First Network, uh, FirstNet um, Authority. And this dedicated fast lane of connectivity really ensures that first responders are able to communicate across departments and jurisdictions and state lines at all times. And so, as you might imagine, my FirstNet team and the FirstNet organization is uh, extremely 
extremely busy with COVID-19. Um, FirstNet continues to perform very, very, very well, even with the massive increases in the network volumes that we're seeing for first responders. You know, so we are on the front lines at Air Force bases. We are at the front lines in quarantine zones. We are at the front lines in, you know, pop-up clinics. Uh, we are in the front lines of hospitals and of, uh, you know, a myriad of organizations where those first responders are critical, right? It, it, it uh, of course, includes, you know, police, fire. Uh, it includes doctors and nurses, emergency services. Um, you know, we are all about, um, you know, about enabling those first responders, and I think that is a, you know, great example of how the services and the network comes to life um, and is there, right, and is there in the time of need, no matter how stressed, you know, the, the needs are, and certainly across the world that this is an incredibly stressful time. But again, this is what we were built for, you know, and so AT&T has taken a holistic approach to the network. We have taken a holistic approach to connectivity and what it enables and the services and solutions that it provides. And this is, you know, this is the business of business, quite frankly, right? So whether it is a school whether it's a, a, a healthcare organization, um, you know, whether it's a, a state-supported uh, uh, institution, right? I mean, this, we, we are there for our customers um, in any possible way that we uh, can be, right, to, to support them in their greatest time of, uh, of need and otherwise. On a day-to-day business basis, you, you deal with these surges on a general consumer basis, but these are extraordinary times. And you know, FirstNet is one of the most exciting stories that's come out of AT&T as far as the first responder uh, uh, capabilities goes, because it literally saves lives, in my view. There can be no better use case requirement than an infrastructure environment that saves lives. What are some of the other things that you do in these sorts of scenarios when things do go bang? Uh, I mean, you, you've probably got mobile units. You've got uh, you know people working after hours. I know if there's a storm, people are out, out after hours repairing lines and, and cables on the ground when things get flooded. What are some of the sort of types of actions that come about with a scenario like this where obviously you've got first net for the emergency services type people, you've got additional capacity in your core network. Uh, there must be a range of other things that you do with regard to uh, responding to these things where, you know, increased number of staff in call centres, more people available for the consulting spaces, this sort of call to action that I'm sure you have uh, that you, you put in play when, when everything from small to medium-sized businesses from a florist on the corner who's worried about their internet service and VPN to, to, to you know, a bank with a thousand staff having to go home. What are some of the key things that you can sort of share with us around what AT&T does to sort of respond to these big things? Uh, because obviously FirstNet's a no-brainer. That's something you've got running constantly. Uh, it must scale up. But there must be a number of big things that you bring to play that, that AT&T and AT&T business are probably the only people in the world that can do this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a couple of more FirstNet examples because I think they are really innovative examples that, gives a, that give a flavor for the art of the possible. Of, uh, connections and connectivity, um, and then and then I'll uh, kind of move into Des uh, just some of the things that we're doing in support of our our, our entire customer base, if you will. Okay, so just a couple other things to share um, on the first net front because I do think that they're very much reflective of how uh, passionately and how um, creatively we approach um, you know, we we approach serving um, you know our customers. So with FirstNet, we've actually got 76 deployable network assets, you know, including three flying uh, cell-on-wheels, right, and also a FirstNet One blimp, if you will. Uh, these are kind of first-of-a-kind, you know, public public safety communication solutions where you know where we can 
keep responders connected in a large-scale, you know, catastrophic event. If you can imagine, if you have that kind of, you know, cellular coverage mobile, right, uh, in a way, right, you know, that is flexible in terms of how you can deploy it, rapidly deploy it, and flexibly deploy it, um, it truly does save lives. And so I just wanted to mention that as, you know, I think that is a sign of things to come as we think of where innovations may come from in the future around uh, the power of communication solutions. Pivoting to COVID-19 then, and some of the things that we have done uh, to stand up to ensure that we are there for our customers. We have creatively worked through, again, in the context of the priorities of being our employees' health and safety as number one, you know, really worked to uh, balance our coverage across all of our centers and support uh, to be able to deliver a level of support that, um, you know, that is, that is appropriate when our customers need us. We've also stood up uh, six command centers, as we call them, um, across AT&T business, and they are focused on, you know, specific areas of what our customers may need. One, as an example, is focused on delivery, you know, to expedite really critical uh, customer uh, customer needs. Um, another one is focused on delivery around in- infrastructure capacity and resiliency, you know, additions, if you will, right? We've got a command center that's focused on uh, incidents, right? So as you would imagine, you know, there is some business out there that may be, quote unquote, running more predictably, but uh, most businesses are not running in a predictable way. And so the criticality of outages or issues that are um, that are happening, right, are to varying degrees of priority. And so we also have an incident command center as it relates to service assurance and how do we ensure that the most critical services, you know, stay up and, you know, the, the hottest, most, you know, most priority um, issues are being addressed. And so we've taken this uh, triage approach, if you will. Um, it is 7 by 24. I think one of the, you know, one of the things I'm experiencing, just I don't know if you're experiencing, is that the workday never, never ends, actually, right? <laughs> and it is literally, I mean, it is uh, every day, you know, 12, 14 hours of, of, of calls. Uh, work is done now, right? And so, Indeed. Um, and, and so, you know, teams are triaged around the globe. Um, AT&T Business is so fortunate to serve customers around the globe, and we're also so fortunate to have associates who live all around the globe, right? And that adds, uh, you know, that adds a level of of uh, complexity, but quite frankly, of global society and global unity to what we do. Um, and, uh, you know, we are c- helping customers not just here in the U.S., helping um, employees not just here in the U.S., but um, all around the globe, you know, and that is, uh, you know, that is uh, what we are known for. And so those are just uh, some of the examples of um, of the things that um, that we're doing um, in a uh, in a tireless manner, but what I what I will say, I'm going to do a little uh, I'm going to do a little commercial here, Des, for um, for everyone out there who is experiencing long work days, which I know is the majority of us. Is uh, you got to remember to take care of yourself. You know, I think the um, <laughs> Des, you mentioned it earlier about um, about uh, you know the uh, the exercise and things like that. I think this is one area where I will admit to you and our audience that I am failing. If I had a step counter. Uh, um, since uh, you know, since this pandemic has struck, um, I would be failing all thresholds of um, of uh, of uh, that. So that's something that I got to work on as uh, as these as these weeks continue, because every day, um, you know, every day we got to make those conscious choices to make sure that we are uh, taking care of ourselves so that we can uh, amply take care of others. Uh, and in my case, it is uh, not only my family but my people and my customers as well. Indeed. I think we might cut you a little uh, slack, though, uh, and in light of the fact that you carry a slightly broader remit than the average person at home. But uh, I, I, I actually did a front-to-back uh, walking from my front door to the back of our house step out the other day to work out how many steps do I actually get if I get on a call and just walk from the front end of the house to the back end of the house. And it was pitiful. Um, I would have worn a hole in the rug down the hallway had I tried to do my 10,000 steps doing that. 
but yes, the, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, I always, I've always been a fan of this idea that if you don't look after number one, you can't look after anyone else. And so this is indeed, and that's a great piece of advice that we just need to keep a track on our own personal health, uh, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically, etc., uh, for all those obvious reasons, because uh, as you said, you know, we're, these are extraordinary times and COVID-19 has given us uh, a point in time where we are going to have to do things very, very differently. And I guess to that point, I mean, you know, your role itself is just incredibly challenging. But as an organization, AT&T is a global company, as you said, and has a huge role to play in keeping society connected across all different levels. I'm really curious about what you're hearing from sort of the C-suite. I mean, CIOs and CTOs right now, I mean, what are they saying when they come to you? Because you, you, you cover every possible type of industry, whether it's education, healthcare, uh, whether it's energy sector, government, state, federal. You're across every remit of every industry and every sector. What are some of the CIOs and CTOs you're talking to coming to you and, and, and asking for these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's, you know, it's uh, what's, what's so interesting and expected is, is, you know, this is not just CIOs and CTOs, but CEOs, right, and, and uh, CMOs, and really uh, just, you know, leaders across, as you pointed out, every industry, uh, businesses, sectors of all, all different sizes, shapes, and flavors. And so what we're hearing from them is, you know, um, very similar to us, right, which is the number one um, focus, um, especially in the early days, in the first, uh, you know, first weeks, depending on where, um, where you're based out of, focus on their employees, right? Focus on their safety and the health of their employees. You know, how do, uh, you know, what these customers have told us is, you know, it's about, okay, how do I focus on them? How do I get them the information they need? And how do I enable them to be, you know, once I've ensured that their self-safety and their health, how do I ensure they're enabled uh, to be able to do their jobs, right? And this has been a bit of a you know, it's been a, a almost a, a rolling thunder kind of approach, right? I mean, every day is different in terms of what is needed, and you know, as 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 more countries, you know, um, you know, hit the different phases of where they are with the pandemic, as more states, um, you know, here in the U.S. declare different states of emergency and. Uh, you know, go from uh, shelter in place to stay at home to the various degrees of distancing and requirement for their uh, for their citizens and their communities. Those needs continue to evolve. So first and foremost, it's all about the employees, right? And that is something that honestly is is right because no matter what business you're in, if you're a business, if you're an organization, you're in the business of people by definition. As you and I would also say that regardless of what business they're in or what organization they're part of, they're also in the tech business whether they know it or not. And I think that what um, what COVID-19 has clearly proved is if you don't have a tech strategy, if you don't have a tech partner or a set of partners, this becomes infinitely more difficult, right? And so for us, what we're also then hearing from our clients is just this, okay, I, I need to be able to toggle, you know, my service. So can you give me more capacity? Can you give me some collaboration tools? Can you do this uh, work in a matter of, of hours? Um, so first and foremost is um, employees um, and health and safety. And then I would say that it's the uh, it's the evolving need of of whatever their, that business may be. You know, if, if they're a small business, as you might imagine, small businesses are in um, significant uh, distress. You know, with the with the new parameters that are growing now um, across uh, you know across the country. And so, what we've done there are you know to you know, waive late payments and uh, you know will not disconnect uh, you know broadband services for consumers and small businesses if they're unable to pay because of economic hardship. You know, for low income customers, you know we've got. A, a whole series of, of uh, uh, different offers, and in terms of um, you know businesses, right? We know remote 
everything is, uh, is, is a key need, uh, no matter what the organization is. And so, you know, we're offering 90 days of free call, call forwarding to a number, of, you know, depending on where, wherever your employees are working. And so, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, things like that, which um, we hope are um, helping to enable um, our customers. Then what I would say is, depending on um, the customer, whether it's, uh, you know, the CEO of a, a transportation company or the CIO of a, of a retailer, uh, you know, or the CTO of a healthcare company, it really then varies in terms of, okay, now how do I think about my organization, my mission in the context of a COVID world, you know, and this COVID season and, you know, in education, it's one that's incredibly visible where, you know, you have children K through 12 in higher, you know, in, in uh, higher ed institutions and colleges, you know, we're, we're um, you know, seeing that everyone's got a need now to pivot to the virtual classroom and e-learning. But if you think about uh, were these institutions ready for this, right? Were they ready to do this in mass scale? And in many cases, the answer, you know, the answer was no. And so, you know, we, we launched a, uh, um, a $10 million fund uh, focused on distance learning and family connections to support parents and students and teachers uh, by providing them tools um, that they need for at-home learning. And we've also got, a, you know, a series of offers, too, um, uh, to help um, you know, that sector. You know, we think about hospitals um, and healthcare. You know, I was uh, speaking with um, one of my clients here just earlier today who was just so appreciative of our, um, our agility in supporting them with just the five-fold increase in remote workers supporting um, those hospitals um, as well as just our ability to uh, provide a much broader ecosystem of their constituents, whether it was the uh, the security that they had at their um, at their locations, or whether it was the additional uh, you know traveling doctors and nurses that they that they um, now need to lean on, they wanted to make sure that they were enabled with the right uh, um, you know mobile technology um, and access to be able to support um, that institution's um, needs. And so um, it it then really varies. I would say then you know from the pivot to employee, then okay, well now how do I um, execute my mission in this COVID environment, and what is it that I need? You know, is it uh, you know, uh, you know, many of the pharmaceutical companies, as you know, you know, are establishing pop-up testing locations and tra- you know, and trauma centers and tent structures. Uh, you know, schools are becoming uh, trauma centers, and so this just you know, all of this uh, dynamic you know, kind of environment that we're in, all of it requires communication to work, right? It all requires connectivity to work. And so we are just really working hard to do our best to be there, you know, for for our customers. In fact, it's one of our core values as a company, as is make a difference, right? I mean, we are all just looking to make a difference here. And, um, you know, that difference here is saving lives. It's, uh, it's um, you know, it's all for humanity and for the greater good, quite frankly. So that's, uh, that's a little bit of what we're hearing. Uh, but I expect this, that it will continue to evolve and change day by day. Um, and we are uh, we are ready for it. There's no no uh, doubt that you're going to have a continued increase in in, in uh, desire for the C-suite to be talking to you, as you said, from the CEO downwards. Uh, particularly, even yesterday, I had a conversation with with a CEO uh, of a financial services uh, provider here, and a fairly sizable one. And his first question was, "What vocab and language do I use to just start communicating about this with my team?" And I, I realized, wow, uh, he's a human, and he's still just trying to find his own feet around this. And and it just you know again reminded me as you said this is all about people and these are you know whether it's as you said you know tent based hospitals or or me visiting uh, uh, 
my mum in hospital and I can't see her because I have to look through a window, uh, but I can talk to her via the phone. You know, and, and these are the game changes we're dealing with now. You touched on a couple of points that I was very interested in on, and I wonder if you could just give me a quick recap on it. I mean, small business. I mean, when we talk about some of your bigger customers, there's some big, exciting enterprise-level challenges. You've got statewide challenges, federal government challenges, and you've got the likes of FirstNet to address them. But I imagine it's the case that the, the, the greater population of, of the business customers on a headcount basis are really the small business, small to medium size, you know, thousands of little florists, thousands and thousands of little cafes. And, and I know you've got some amazing, uh, exciting initiatives you've just come out with, and you, you touched on a few of them. I wonder if we could just recap on them, specifically around the small to medium sized businesses and sorts of things you're, you're doing for them now and what sort of action you've taken around the whole space of the SME. So for small small businesses, then right, we are very mindful of the hardships that many of them are uh, many of them are going through, right? And so, um, you know, we are we are being um, you know flexible on payment terms. We're being very very flexible as we should be, uh, you know, around uh, you know dis- disconnect terms. And this is not only for small businesses, but also for consumers who are under duress, right? And so, uh, on the consumer side, in terms of low income customers, you know, we've got very good offers to make sure that they can get through this time, you know, and uh, you know expanded eligibility to um, you know school lunch programs and, and whatnot. You know, in terms of our, uh, you know, and we've been talking about Des, um, you know, the kind of our traditional communication services uh, in terms of voice and, and data services and mobile services, but we also provide a video service, right? And so um, we're also providing to our TV subscribers, you know, free offering, which includes, um, you know, news and entertainment and kids channels, because we know that the desire, right, the consumption of, uh, of media and content now has scaled in, uh, in an incredible way, right, because people are now, um, you know, not able to physically move around as much as they, as they can or, or uh, go and have experiences outside of their home or outside of their virtual location. You know, we've got, um, you know, free call forwarding uh, offers. We've got, uh, you know, good uh, promotional offers around collaboration services and whatnot. And so for our small businesses, um, we are very, very much, you know, we're very much focused on ensuring that we can do what uh, we can uh, to support them through this very, very difficult time. And, um, you know, just uh, another, um, you know, what I would say, a little, uh, a little personal commercial here for um, small businesses I know in the community that, um, that I live in here outside of the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth metro area, you know, our community, um, you know, just we're all about the small businesses here. And so I know we've rallied here um, around, um, you know, around our town on um, ensuring that, because we, we have to be one of the communities who still can, right, our, our restaurants are still open for takeout and delivery and whatnot. Um, and even as, uh, you know, something as uh, simple as just, you know, just continuing to go, right, uh, you know, in a uh, physically distanced uh, way, and to support these small businesses in whatever way we can, I mean, we are um, we are all about that. Just uh, you know, small businesses are, in fact, the um, you know the heartbeat. They are the heartbeat uh, of America. And I think you may have even heard me say that in my old job, right? As I had the opportunity to support them. And so, there are many things uh, you know that uh, that we all can do as uh, as individuals, right? This whole uh, notion of shopping local or being able to conduct with these businesses online, we all we all should do our part if we can, right? So this gives you a, a feel for what we're doing. No, fantastic. And, and congratulations on those amazing initiatives because I think they are so critical because I've always been of the view that small businesses, the bulk of where jobs are created, whether it's part-time workers or, or you know, from a barista doing a few hours a week at my local cafe and being my favourite cup of coffee, through to, to the types of services we just consume once or twice a month. And without that support, as you said, they, they are going to go broke. They're not going to survive. And there's been one fun one here that uh, I saw where uh, there was a campaign where the cafes obviously weren't allowed to have lots of people in them. 
so, and they had a whole bunch of product available. So there was a campaign run where people actually went and just bought uh, uh, two of everything. And, uh, you know, in my case, I went and bought half a dozen croissants and just put four of them in the freezer and froze them knowing that I could microwave them tomorrow. Um, but I, I think it's so critical that you've done these amazing things around, you know, low-income consumers, uh, some of the, the free trials you're running, uh, and, and even things like uh, your, your digital TV subscriptions. I mean, I hate to say it, but whilst we've got kids at home and if they're young, uh, digital TV or iPads become the babysitter while mum and dad have to work from home and, and, and try and keep the job going. Uh, and, and I think uh, this whole thing of scaling up the level of support for them is, is so critical, and I, I think it's an amazing thing you're doing there. I wonder if I could maybe just touch on one final point before we wrap up then. I mean, you know, we've talked about what you're doing with, uh, you know, federal level, state level, government, uh, big enterprise, and certainly now small enterprise. Um, one of the things that I'm really, really keen to learn about, uh, given the amazing work that you and your team are doing and how, how much impact you're having, as you said, and you touched on this, it's like 24-7 for you right now personally. I'm sure that's the case for your whole organisation, given the, the challenge you have. I mean, how are your team doing? How are your employees coping with this whole thing and, and the, some of the changes you've had to make in the company recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, uh, and it's, um, um, and I'm glad we're um, closing with a discussion on the employees because, uh, you know, just just as we started there, uh, you know, our people are 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 the most important part of any organization, right? They are the the heartbeat of the organization, literally, uh, literally, uh, and uh, figuratively. So, how are my people doing? Um, you know, this is look, this is a stressful time, right? I mean, stress is, um, you. Know, is uh, as stress manifests itself is discomfort with the you know and dissatisfaction with the current situation right and I think that if we if we looked at any point in history uh, that describes where we are today right I think that you know if I think about each of us on a personal level each of us does have some degree of stress has some degree of fear right perhaps some degree of sadness that the routine is no longer there right and depending on who you are if you're a small business owner if you're a consumer if you're a student right some students actually prefer to be in school than at home, right? You know, they certainly prefer to be with their friends than their parents, that's for sure, right? Um, and so, um, you know, we are all going through that, those natural um, human emotions because we're human, right? Uh, but what I would say is that, um, you know, my team um, at AT&T Business um, here and at AT&T overall, the team at AT&T, um, you know, we're incredibly resilient. Um, you know, as, as we talked about uh, earlier in our conversation, um, we were built for times like this, right? I mean, just, you know, crises and uh, um, whether man-made or otherwise, um, you, know, uh, you know, recessions, I mean, just, you know, difficulties in the marketplace, uh, difficulties with, uh, you know, consumer need, you know, customer needs and uh, being agile. This is, uh, you know, this is what we were, were made for. This is very much how our business is, right? We know how critical we are to, uh, to society, to the uh, economy, um, and um, we take those responsibilities, um, you know, with great privilege, uh, with great pl- pride, and uh, humbly, right? And so, um, our teams are dedicated. I'm just so proud of all of the work they're doing. And so, if if you could indulge me for a moment, I just want to say thank you to um, all of my AT&T business colleagues all around the globe, including all of our partners across AT&T and outside of AT&T. Um, we could not do what we are doing without you, and our customers are truly so appreciative of it it's um it is just simply incredible right um that uh the the, the work that uh, the teams are doing and i couldn't be more proud to be part of their team and to be supporting them and so um those are those would be my thoughts des on uh, how how my uh, my teams are doing you know we're all about our mission which is um which is our customers
Indeed, and look, I, I think uh, at the risk of taking uh, too much a uh, free step here, I think it's fair to say that your team is extremely proud of what they are seeing from you as their CEO and leader and watching it from afar. I, I'm just astounded by the amount of energy and, and, and positivity you bring to this on a daily basis, whether it's your briefings, whether it's articles and things that I'm seeing you write on LinkedIn. Uh, I think, you know, this is just an astounding challenge and, and, and you've taken on you've got control of it and the organization's looking fantastic and and just the amazing things you're doing across the entire globe uh and, and certainly north america there in your own backyard um I, I can only imagine what jumping out of bed every morning is like and 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 just facing yet another challenging day of a global pandemic uh and for that i personally thank you and i'm sure your entire team around the world thanks you and certainly the customers are, are going to be grateful for the amount of investment you're making in the space whether it's small medium-sized business or upwards um, but, you know, it's just it's astounding to hear what you're doing. I think it's amazing that the organization has this capacity on a day to day basis. And I, I think one of the things I'd like to invite our listeners to do is take a moment to uh, to just jump on the AT&T business website. There's some amazing resources there. Uh, one of my favorite spaces that I've been referring people to is, is your business continuity section. If people just jump online and search for AT&T business business continuity. They'll find a whole range of stuff there on, on, a, on a web portal under your main website, whether it's COVID-19, details around the AT&T response, disaster preparedness planning guides, uh, all the way through to pandemic preparedness and so forth, some PDFs and downloads there, and then general guidelines around how, how AT&T is helping you plan it, helping uh, with the whole disaster response and, and that challenge of staying secure, managing the data and communicating. But Anne, it's been so fantastic to spend some time with you. And again, congratulations on the amazing response you personally and professionally have been bringing to this and your team. And uh, I'll be watching very, very closely. And hopefully when things calm down a bit, we'll have you back on the show and we'll be able to dissect it and look at uh, what it took to bring this about and, and, uh, and, and talk about some of the success stories that have come out of all of this. But in the meantime, congratulations on the amazing work you're doing there. And, uh, and thank you on behalf of everybody for, for what you're doing currently on a daily basis. That is, as you said, seven days a week, 24-7. Well, thank you so much, Des, for the opportunity to spend time with you and your listeners. And uh, uh, you stay safe and stay healthy, okay, as, as um, would be my message to all of our listeners here. Thanks for, again for the opportunity. Really appreciate it.